you know, what I like about it so much is, you know, we've been talking about community even this morning and recognizing, like when I sing that song, I just think about Abraham and I think about Sarah and I think about David. I think about Esther. I think about Rahab. I think about Paul. I think about Matthew. I think about all these Priscilla. I think about Aquila. I think about all these people we look up to in the scriptures but we're all actually bowing before the king. Like the supremacy of Christ just blows my mind when I sing that song to say even Paul is right there among us and with us saying, I'm not worthy, but he is. Oh man, that gets me. Woo! Okay, sorry, Dave. I don't apologize. Never mind. Man, I love that. Father, we come before you now just asking for our ears open our hearts receptive, our minds tuned to what you have us to learn, and not just to learn, but to know how to use what we hear to further your kingdom. We thank you for John's preparation for his spirit and willingness to dig deeper and to bring us what you need us to hear. Thank you, Father, and bless him during this time. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen. I'm going to grab my coffee real quick. That's very important to keep my whistle wet. John chapter 5. If you all don't mind turning there. I want to continue the conversation that we've had this summer. Um, We've had conversations on rest and reflection. I really enjoyed Greg's sermon on last Sunday. Hopefully he doesn't preach too much, or you guys might want him more than me, but you know. No, he did really, you're really good. That was a really good message last Sunday. Um, and he talked about burdens, and he talked about how us as the body of Christ are called to help one another, to be Samwise sometimes and throw Frodo on our back whenever he can't go any further. Yes, we, that is three weeks in a row that we've talked about Lord of the Rings in a sermon. That's the, that's the trifecta. Every time I mention anything about Lord of the Rings, Nathan or Jonah is going in the back. You guys can't see this? They're like pumping their fist and like raising, you know, uh, raising their fist in the air. They're really excited about it. But, but I love that, and I love that picture. And so today I want to talk about what it looks like to really be present in each other's lives and to be present with God. So I titled today's sermon, Present with God and Man, because it just sounded kind of epic. But that doesn't mean males, you know, it means mankind. And what does it actually practically look like? Like, let's, let's be real. We can't carry burdens of one another if we're not present in each other's lives. Straight up, right? Um, we can be physically with people, but not really present. Anyone ever experienced that? We, I'm sure we've all done it to others, but we don't really notice it until someone does it to us. And then we're like, well, I don't like that. Last night, I uh, had boys' sushi dinner. Right, guys? Noah and Jonah? Yeah, we went out. That was their pick. We planned it for a while. And at the beginning, there was some phone usage, but it was cool. And I said, guys, let's put down our phone and let's just hang out with each other. And they did awesome. Like, we sat down. We were present with one another. We talked about the food. We talked about how excited we were. And then towards the end, how ridiculously full we were trying to eat the last couple bites of sushi. But it was like, it's a great moment. It was great times. 
And I'm convinced that in order for us to, to continue to move forward and to continue to be the church that Christ has for us and continue to be formed into the image of Christ, we have to learn how to be present with one another. We have to learn how to also be present with God and what he's doing. That's, 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 those two things have to go hand in hand. With technology, I was reading some uh, psychology essays recently. And, you know, I don't know, there's been a common theme of just bringing up social media and some of the internet things that have been going on. I think even Greg brought some of that stuff up last week. And as I read, you know, social media, which is supposed to be the great connector, you know, if, we, if you use it too much, it actually, if you look at studies that you are far more likely to have anxiety, you're far more likely to be depressed, you're far more likely, even physical illness they've attached to some of this. They actually say, though, if you use it, like, in moderation, it doesn't show signs of it being bad. But the more we're ramped up using, 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 it's definitely directly correlated to the challenges that we, str- we have. But I read that in the contrary, to combat that, the, whenever we're physically present with one another, it is a huge difference. It's a huge difference. There's a big difference in just texting someone or even just calling someone and literally being physically in their presence. And I think that's a big piece too. Because I think in the dawn of our technology, it's easy to kind of be at a distance, but not physically present with others. And I'm convinced that we must be. We must be. Jesus was. So I could pick, really honestly, any number of passages about Jesus because he is constantly present with people. And you'll see what I mean by that. Not just there physically, but there physically, mentally, emotionally. He's there spiritually. Like, he's there. He is present. You just see the way he talks to the Samaritan woman and recognize he's present in that conversation. He's not, think of all the things that he could be thinking about, right? I mean, how many times do we sing, uh, this morning I'm singing songs to the Lord and my mind starts to wander <laughs> to the other, some other things and I'm going, be present with God, John. You know, like learning how to be present because it's so easy to go, pa 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 because we're just so used to it. But Jesus is present with the Samaritan woman. I think of whenever he preaches this great, Sermon on the Mount, he has this great teaching in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and then all these crowds are following him as he comes down the mountain, and a leper shows up. And if you've ever preached, it wears you out. If you've ever prepared a message for anybody, prepared a teaching, been a teacher, like, you all know it wears you out. You're exhausted. Can you imagine coming down from this teaching about what the kingdom of God looks like, this epic teaching that for generations we've looked at, and a leper shows up, and you just want to be like, oh, father come on man like i just just want to go take a nap and yet he touches this leper and the leopards the leper not leopard it's a human is healed and i think what would have happened to that man what would his story have been like if jesus hadn't took time to be present with him didn't take if he hadn't taken time to recognize the father wants to do something here with this person when i think through that i recognize my utter failures for how many times I think God wanted to do something in a conversation with someone in someone's life, and I failed to be present with them. My mind was somewhere else. I was on to doing this. I was thinking about doing this, and God saying, just be present. Be there with them. So in Matthew, I'm John, not Matthew. In John chapter 5, Jesus heads to Galilee. He heals this official son. And then it says in Matthew 5, verse 1, After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. We don't know for sure what festival this is, but it was probably a pilgrimage festival 
because they're all coming to, they're coming to Jerusalem. Remember how we've talked about that before? Three times a year, the Jewish people would get together. Israel would all get together. Could you imagine how cool that would be? Or maybe not. Some of you are all like, I don't know about that. That's a little too much. But could you imagine if we three times a year took off work, all traveled to Atlanta, Georgia. Like, let's just think of somewhere we have to travel to. I don't know. Hotlanta. We travel down to Atlanta to celebrate the Lord. This is what, to bring sacrifice to God, to, to see people we haven't seen in months, to hang out, to have fun, to be present with God, to worship God, to do all these things. I think that would be awesome if we did that three times a year. I see why God brings community together. That's what's going on. So imagine in this scenario what Jesus is doing. Think of how busy this probably was. Think of how people are like, hey, Jesus, man, I haven't seen you in a couple months. I'd love to get together whenever we come together for this next feast. You know, friends, relatives. And Jesus always has people that are pressing on him. And he probably has every excuse in the world not to be where he's going to be here. (laughs) And who knows if he even wanted to? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. But it says, now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there was a pool. There is a pool called in Hebrew Bethsaida, or Bethsaida, which has five porticos. So in the midst of the festival and these things that are going on, Jesus has found himself by the Sheep Gate, by this Bethsaida pool. That means pool of olives or, or pool of mercy. It makes sense, mercy. It's debatable. And he finds himself at this pool, and it says in verse 3, In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. I just want you to think about the party and the get-togethers and all these things that are happening and how it would be so much easier for Jesus to be spending time with his friends and family during this, to be spending time with God during this. And yet you find Jesus... Reflecting the image of God, God himself, showing that at least at this moment, I am sure he partied and enjoyed, his, enjoyed time with others and, and, and enjoyed time with the Lord with others, the community. But at least at this time, we find him spending time with the outcast of society. Like, he's wandered down. He's looking at the people that no one much care about, right? He's, look, he's looking at, especially in, in this day and age, people who probably could never find a job, <laughs> who are poor, who are hurting, and it's not their own faults. And I wonder, I get excited to see a God who's willing to be present with those types of people. I'm blown away by a God who is okay to to say, I'm going to go see what's happening down here. And I ask myself, would I be so caught up in the festival and celebrating God that I'm missing what God actually is wanting to do? Uh... The church, I think, probably is woefully inadequate at spending time with people who are really broken. I don't know. There are people that are. There are communities that are good at it. But really spending time with the outcast, with the hurting. You know, I think, trying to liken it to something today would be like we having to get together and, you know, we see... Someone's going out and hanging with Julie with the homeless population in Murfreesboro. Or maybe someone's going to that dingy bar that you know is just full of drunkards if anyone's going to be there at this, during this festival. And someone going, oh, let me go see what God might want to do. And I just convinced the church we have to be those people. We have to, we have to, we have to reveal that, 
to the world because there are people like this man. It says in verse 5, one man was there who had been ill for 38 years. Some of us maybe can't imagine what it's like to be ill for 38 years. Some of us can't. But for 38 years, this man is ill. This man is lame. And the only reason his life trajectory changes is because Jesus is willing to be present with him for a moment. And I, and I ask myself, and I say, what can God do with us if we're willing to be present with each other? <laughs> like, what can he do in our homes? What can he do in our city? What can he do at our workplaces? If we're willing to stop and see, I think God's doing something here. I should probably stay around for a few minutes. It sounds so simple, but it is difficult, right? Is anyone feeling me on that? <laughs> You see the person that, like, a car broke down, and I'm not saying everyone needs to help that, but you you feel like, man, maybe I should stop there, but there's always, for me, an excuse, even if it's not even a good one. i got to get groceries. Well, I mean, I could really get groceries in 30 more minutes, (laughs) but I don't, (laughs) you know? Like, I feel like there's a constant set of excuses for me oftentimes to not be present, where I serve a God who's constantly present. We serve a God that we probably don't don't recognize, take for granted, the beauty that he's present with us, that we're two or three are gathered, that we, we, he tabernacles in us, and that when we pray, we don't have to go, God, 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 are you there? I hope you're there. Hey, hey, pay attention to me, God. He's there. He's present. And I want to reflect that to this world. And so it says, when Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had been there a long time, so Jesus knew he had been there a while, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the point was, was these people hung around this pool because when it got stirred up, they believed it had healing properties and that hoping, hope, any kind of hope they could have, they were trying to grab hold of. Let's just be real. Hoping that if the waters get stirred and I get in there, then this infirmity I've had for 38 years will be healed. But I think Jesus, his question is critically important to us. Because I think when we think of the world around us and we see the brokenness, we see people that are struggling financially, we see people that are struggling with addictions, we see people that are struggling in relationships that are just toxic, man, it can be dang overwhelming. We can go, well, <laughs> trafficking, how am I going to put a dent in that? I mean, right? Like that, I, I feel overwhelmed sometimes when I think of the brokenness in our culture and I think of the brokenness in our society. Being around brokenness really gets me thinking about that. But what I recognize is not only are we called, as I said, to be present with each other, but vitally important that we're present with what God is doing. And so Jesus asked the question, do you want to be made well? I don't know what happened to the other people around the pool. It doesn't say. I don't know if Jesus went around healing them. I have no idea. But I do know for darn sure that he heals this person, and it was because this person actually wanted to be made well. See, there are people that are broken that don't really want to be made well. I'm just being real. And it hurts. It stinks. My compassionate heart breaks. Have y'all been, you all know what this is like. We've probably been that person, right? I think we've all been that person who wouldn't get through our thick skull that this needs to change in our life, and we're damaging us and maybe damaging other people. But the point being that we learn how to be a people who are present with God, meaning that we're ever listening to him. We're ever discerning, what what are you doing, Father? And that it becomes part of our day in and day out life as individuals and as a community of believers. 
like we've done with Mitchell Nielsen in these different places. Like how we're constantly stepping back going, Father, where are you at work? Whose life wants to change? Because they're out there. I promise you that. I promise you every, home, every homeless person in Murfreesboro, though you might want to categorize them as whatever you want, doesn't want to be homeless. I promise you there are people out there that want to be, that they do not like the situation they're in, and they're willing to do something and work hard to get out of it. I promise you that. But will we take time to be with God and be present with others and see, God, whose life are you working in, Right? I bet many of us probably have stories where we've, been a, where we've been a part of that in people's lives. And I bet many of us, if we talk about what God has done in our lives, has an individual or two that was present with us that we say, man, because of them, I am who I am. Greg shared someone last week that if he was not present there, who knows? You know, maybe God would use someone else or whatever, but it was huge in his formative years to have that person, and to recognize we can be those, those people. What would happen to this guy if Jesus hadn't have taken time, if Jesus would have said, you know what, I'd rather have some roasted lamb right now because that sounds really good. I'd rather have a couple glasses of wine right now with my friends. And instead, he said, you know what? And again, I'm sure he probably did all those things, but at least here he says, no, the Father wants to do something down among the broken, so I'm going to be there. So the sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. This is verse 7, when the water is stirred up and while I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said, stand up, take your mat and walk. At once the man was made well and he took up his mat and began to walk. Again, I just believe, just revealing God's heart that he wants to, if we're present in people's lives, bring healing to their lives. I'm totally convinced that. Some of it's just being there, as Greg said last week, present with them and (laughs) they need someone just to be there. Now, this kind of ties into some of the stuff we've been talking about. Now, the day was a Sabbath. We've been talking about rest. Verse 10 says, So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. Think about that. This, dude, this guy for 38 years. I'm 38 years old. My whole life. This guy has been laying, lame, trying to probably wondering, does God care about me? What's going on? I mean, think of all the things, no doubt, that would have gone through his head. The guy is set free from this, is healed, and there's a group of people who all they can think about is, you picked up your mat on the Sabbath. What we could easily do with this is go, which I've done before. It doesn't say that they were Pharisees here. It says they were Jews, so there could be a group of different people. But it's so easy, easy for us to go, Pharisees, bad, disciples, good. No, the Pharisees, the scribes, many of these people were very zealous for God. It wasn't just like they're bad people. It's like what had happened was what's happened here is when God said don't work on the Sabbath, there's a few things we could go back through the law. We could look up a situation where people are picking up sticks and different things like that. But what happened was over the years, people said, well, what does it mean to work on Sabbath? And the rabbis and the leaders ended up writing 39 things that you can't do on Sabbath, which then those 39 things had to have commentary for what those actually mean, and commentary on commentary. And what's happened is, is these guys have said that a burden, that qualifies as not carrying a burden, and you cannot pick up your mat. And what has ultimately happened is God is at work, and man's traditions are not only preventing them from participating in what God's doing, they're actually found to be coming against what God's doing. And there is no doubt that man's traditions have not touched every single one of us in this room. There's no doubt in my life 
that I have not got. So zealous even. These people are zealous for God that have overstepped. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, you tie up hairy, heavy, hairy. You don't tie up hairy burdens. Heavy burdens. Maybe they're hairy. Maybe they'll put you in hairy situations. <laughs> I want a shirt now that says, you tie up hairy burdens. <laughs> heavy burdens. But again, Jesus says, my yoke, take my yoke upon you, right? And like what Greg taught about last week. And I think that that's, I think that that's amazing and that, that's, that's beautiful of Jesus. But the point being that they were adding to what God said. And sometimes traditions can be wonderful. That's, the, that's why it's not like black and white so easy to say this or that or whatever. They're great traditions. I have wonderful traditions. I love setting my Christmas tree up at Christmas and drinking eggnog and listening to Christmas music. Great tradition, right? Nothing wrong with it. But what happens is when our traditions begin to usurp what God's doing and what he's told us to do. For example, we had our spiritual gift night on Friday night, and I was, sh- I think, yeah, I was, I was sharing at, the, at that, that it was a very difficult for me to get over the idea that Jesus called us to make disciples and baptize, get over the idea that the preacher was the one who had to do the baptizing. Because in my, in my growing up, there was a speci- like it was the preacher or the associate preacher, they're, only the, they're the only ones that are baptizing, pretty much. And so for me, it was so weird, and it warred on my conscience and all these things, and it took time. And I didn't do it for a while. It took time for me to read through Scripture and go, wait a second, where is that? Where do we even get that? I don't even know. And through prayer and wrestling, I said, oh, this is an area of disobedience in my life because I haven't been doing this. You know, and it went from saying, well, someone else has to do it to me. Go, God, help me. Help me to do this. But I think all of us have traditions and different things in our past that can prevent us from being the point present with what God wants to do right now. Be present in people's lives. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, it is a Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your mat, what we just talked about. But he answered them, the man who made me well said, take up your mat and walk. They asked him, who is this man who said it to you? Take up your mat and walk. They're ready to go get him. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, and Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him in the temple. So Jesus finds him later and said to him, see that you have been made well. Do not sin anymore, so nothing worse happens to you. I love how Jesus just tells the truth. Like <laughs> I'd be like, dude, you're well, way to go. And he's like, hey, but I do want you to know that something worse could happen to you. <laughs> If you just give yourself back over to sin or whatever, or give yourself over to sin, we don't know that he was in it in the first place or what he was doing. We all sin, but you know what I'm saying. But then it says in verse 15, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. So these men, totally zealous for God, because of their traditions, we're missing out on what God was doing. And man, I don't want to be like that. Which means that we must be humble. <laughs> and I think it's hugely important that we're doing these things in community with one another. So that we can, like Jesus, check each other, <laughs> challenge each other. Go, hey, is this something where God wants us to work? But because, man, I had a bad experience. and It may not just be like some church tradition. It could be a bad experience. It could be a political affiliation. Well, I can't say anything good about that party, even if they do something that's kingdom. I know that, man. I've seen that over and over. I'm like, dude, that's awesome that that happened. Well, you know, they probably something, something. 
you know, we have those. We have these things. Like, even myself, I ask myself, like, when it comes to disciple-making, I love uh, all these great truths that I've learned and that I've been taught, and John King's helped me and all these things. Have I ever sat back and go, well, they didn't do it the way I did it, so I don't know if I can celebrate that as much. Or I don't say it like that. I just start picking at it. Well, they're probably not going to be that, and they're probably not going to be that, and it's probably not going to do this. And maybe there's some right to it some, sometimes. But to default to that, what am I doing? I'm missing. I'm not celebrating what God's doing. I'm saying, well, you know, because you didn't do it my way, I don't think it was probably, probably beneficial. And that's, that's my biggest check for this, is, is, is participating in what God's doing and not falling into that trap, into that snare. Into that snare. But in, in verse 17 is really almost the crux, a uh, big part of where I want to end, honestly, is Jesus' response to the persecution that he was doing things on Sabbath is that Jesus answered them, my father is still working, which is, I think, a shot at this whole idea of Sabbath, and yet God wants to heal and bring healing and all these things on the Sabbath. <clears throat> um, my father is still working, and I am also working. This is critical for us. <laughs> this is mission critical, that we spend time discerning with ourselves and with others where God is working. This is mission critical. Because there are a thousand things I can say right now that need healing in Murfreesboro. 10,000 things probably that need healing. And I can sit around and I can become paralyzed because I don't know what to do. Y'all, anyone experience that? Like, I can think of there are thousands of people who don't know the Lord. Thousands and thousands. And I just can sit back and go, oh, Lord, what do I do? Think of all the people at the pool that Jesus was around. Think of all the people that would come and to him at all, all kinds of times seeking healing and seeking help and all these things. But it's critical that we learn through listening, which means we have to slow down. Not just slow down. Yes, slow down in a day of rest uh, I talked about. But allow it to become our lifestyle of even when we're busy, where we have that listening voice to God. See, God, so last weekend, or was it 4th of July last weekend? I, we had this, the bread had this big 4th of July party, and we had 120 or 30 people, stupid how many people came. Some, a few folks from here came. And see, I find myself, I could not enjoy birthday parties when I was a kid because I wanted to make sure everyone was having a good time. I don't know, some of y'all can relate to that, some of you can't. Matt, I know Matt can relate to that. I couldn't. Like, like I ended up going from 10 to 12 or 15 people at birthday parties to three or something because I could handle three. But I can't handle going around and making sure 15 people are having a good time. But I still struggle with that a little bit because, like, we have this big party going on, and I'm thinking, okay, we've got this. We had slip and slide kickball, y'all. And I'm sitting back, and I'm, Matt's probably going insurance nightmare. What's going on? <laughs> and it crossed my mind. We were praying for... No broken bones <laughs> to take place during that. You've got a pool, you know, full of people. I'm absolutely full of people. All these things going on. And there's people from different backgrounds and people from like, you know, from different, you know, Seth has talked to this person over here, but, um, you know, I've talked to this person. Justin's talked to this person. And, and I feel like, man, I need to spend time with some of these people. And so I'm out and I'm going, I'm talking to this person, that person, that person, my more introverted side would rather have just sat with Matt and Brian and talked and, and like not had to go out and, and talk to people that I'm not familiar with. But there was this one person 
that I just talked to, and he came up to me several times, and I felt God saying, there's something here. Guess what I did? I didn't do anything with it. I'll just be real. I felt it. I felt like, I don't know if God wanted to do something in my life, in his life, whatever. But like, I just felt like there was a connection that I missed. Um, we talked a little bit, but I was so thinking of all these other things and all these other people that just, I, I just felt in my spirit a discernment, this is it, and I failed, I messed up. So I try to learn from my mistakes. What about, what up, babe? Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it takes many. But I try to learn. And this week, uh, I was doing a, just a real estate call. And I, I really, with, whole, with real estate, I'm really seeking to do this missionally foundation of walking with the Lord in this. That's, I'm re- and God has, I've, I've strayed away a few times, like started, and, and God's like, hold up, John. And so I'm just having a call that I think is just, hey, I need to know, I'd like to know your situation so I can get to know you better and know, should you buy a house? I mean, I'll tell someone you shouldn't if it, I mean, they can make their own decision, but, uh, and as I'm having this conversation, man, you ever have one of those conversations that you think is like a simple conversation and then it's just like, we've talked very little about home specs. I don't want to, I don't want to divulge anything, um, no one here knows her, but a woman who has gone through stuff that I can't imagine what it's like to go through in this last year, like last six months even. And it, I, we talked for an hour on the phone. I was, I was busy. I had stuff to do, but I felt God going, here's your chance. Because God always redeems us. He's always given us second chances. Here's your chance, John. Be present with her. Which also meant me not just sitting on the phone, but it also meant, because she doesn't live in the state, um, not only meant me just sitting on the phone, but me actually listening and listening to God and, and dialoguing. And, and we spent an hour on the phone and we prayed together and all these different things. And then I told her I would pray for her. And then when we got off, I felt like God said, now you said it, be present with her. This is not over. Because it'd be so easy to go, yeah, I did it, God. I did it. But I felt in my heart, this is not over. And, you know, I actually ended up, because of what she's going through, sending her Greg's sermon from last week and just saying, hey, so you never know what your messages will bless. Within five minutes, she's like, I'm listening right now. And it was, she, may be listen, she may listen to this, actually. I wouldn't be surprised. If you are, love you, excited that you're listening. Um, but thanking me so much. But it comes to me submitting myself, screwing up, like I always do, but then submitting myself to going, God, even though I have a lot going on, I want to be present where you're working. What, what are you doing? Let's, and then to follow through with that, not just say, yep, I checked it off the box. I obeyed Jesus there. But to go, God, what else is there? Is there something else? Because there's people that come all the time with problems, and we all probably encounter that. But learning to discern where God wants us to work, man, we will not wear out if we do that. We will wear out if we think we can solve everybody's problems. <laughs> That's what the body's for. I may be able to work with this person and Larissa May and uh, Megan May and someone else, Jared May, somebody else, but us working together as a body to bring healing. So that's my encouragement today, worship team, y'all can hit on up here, is that we really learn to excel at being present in each other's lives and to discern what God is doing and to walk in what God's doing. Ah, it's so good. I love it. Father, forgive me. Forgive us for all the times that we've screwed up. (laughs) Forgive us, Father, for the times that we haven't been present. 
Forgive us, Father, for the times whenever you wanted to work and you wanted to bring healing to a situation or redemption or reconciliation. And, Father, we kind of tripped up and decided that we wanted to do something else. But thank you, thank you, Father, that you're such a merciful God. You're a forgiving God, and you're a God who redeems us, and you give us second and third and fourth chances, God. I just pray that you would help us. Seriously, Lord, that this week we would learn how to be truly present with you. In the, in the busyness of our schedules, Lord, whatever's going on, that we would be present, that we would be seeking what are you doing, and that, Lord, we would be present with one another. That, Lord, we would be physically present, we would be mentally present, emotionally present, spiritually present with one another so that we can be the community, that light that shines, Lord. It's such an awesome opportunity to be light because the world isn't present so often. Lord, help us to be present and help us to reflect that part of your character and bring healing to our city, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.